Hi, everyone, and welcome to Seven Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school. I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's in theology, but the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I've gotten to know over the past few years. We were both youth ministers in the Diocese of Arlington and then found ourselves in Richmond, Virginia and reconnected through music. It's Angie Pometto. Welcome, Angie. Hello. Welcome. Glad to be here. I mean, you're dialing in all the way from Texas. Yes, ma'am. That's right. Yeah, I I moved here a couple years ago. So uh, it's it's a very different place here in Texas. (laughs) (laughs) Than Virginia. (laughs) Yes. Still south. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Well, um, they have this uh, gas station here called Bucky's and that's a big deal. And they sell like there's just I mean like there's 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 merchandise for Texas. Like I'm not sure if there's as much merchandise for Virginia. You know, they have the love stuff. But, you know, I just think Texas has done well, you know, branding itself. <laughs> that is very well said. That's absolutely true. I've actually been to Bucky's. I went. Um, oh, have you? I was. Yeah, I was in San Antonio earlier this year before COVID. It like I made the trip down like right before it hit. And we actually my friend was like, we have to go to this store. <laughs> That's awesome. And it did yeah. have. You're right. Like I totally like branded themselves. And yeah. It had everything. And of course, everything's bigger in Texas. So it was like tons of stuff. <laughs> Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, Angie, tell us a little bit about yourself because you haven't been in Texas long and, you ha- and and share a little bit about your journey with us. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm here in uh, Houston. I work for the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston. I'm an associate director for their office for young adult and campus ministry. So basically, I've been working with uh, English speaking young adults uh, for the past two years here. And like you said, before that, I was in Richmond. Um, Before that, I was in the Diocese of Arlington. So yeah, my whole career has been focused on youth and young adult ministry. Um, I I came to Texas, or when I came to Texas, it was kind of exciting for me to dive into just young adults. I feel like young adults had always been kind of an afterthought in my ministry. It was like, you know, youth Mm -hmm. and young adults, and they always kind of got the short end of the stick. And so since coming here, I've really been able to just kind of dive into the world of young adult ministry, which I just think as a whole, our church, I don't know, like we haven't quite grasped it yet. We're still trying to get like, what does it mean to do young adult ministry? Like, what do you need to think about? How do you do it well? How do you do it at a parish? How do you do it at a diocese? I don't know. It's just a lot of cool things that I've been able to kind of dive into here. So it's been a great opportunity. That's awesome. And you're absolutely right. I, I totally agree that um, that 20 something age range has always been a challenge for the church and continues to Mm -hmm. be. But I think in the world of social media and maybe now even with virtual, it might, you know, it's, it's a challenge for, for us on all spectrums, but I think it might actually be a little bit better or or it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that age group because I think they might be able to grasp it better and maybe we could minister to them in in new ways right now, you know? Yeah. There's definitely been some, there's definitely been some blessings through the COVID for the young adult mm-hmm. ministry, I think. Um, you know, definitely ready to get get over, you know, quarantine sure, and sure. all that. But <laughs> at the same time, you have to try and see the good and everything as well. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited to talk about the scripture passage with you because it's one of my favorites. And I was so excited. Like, I think when you emailed me, I just had like a ton of exclamation marks. So um, <laughs> do you have the passage in front of you? I do. Yes. Can I ask what translation you're going to be using? Yes, I have a New American Bible. Awesome. So whenever you're ready, um, you're going to be reading from Mark's Gospel, and you can go ahead and read it for us. All right. 
When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him, and he stayed close to the sea. There was a woman afflicted with hemorrhages for twelve years. She had suffered greatly at the hands of many doctors and had spent all that she had, yet she was not helped but only grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. She said, If I but touch his clothes, I shall be cured. Immediately, the flow of blood dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Jesus, aware at once that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and asked, Who has touched my clothes? But the disciples said to him, You see how the crowd is pressing upon you, and yet you ask, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. The woman, realizing what had happened to her, approached in fear and trembling. She fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be cured of your affliction. Okay, great. So there is so much to dive into here, but I'm going to give a little bit of a background on Mark's gospel. And this is, I should say, from chapter 5. Um, verse 21, and then we pick up again, 25 through 34. And Mark's gospel was most likely the first one written of the four gospels. It's also the shortest. Mark's gospel is known for being very straightforward and to the point. He doesn't really add a lot of things. He just kind of says what Jesus does and Jesus does everything immediately. And that's what he does. And there's no (laughs) embellishing or flowering or anything like that, like some of the other gospels. Um, And a technique that Mark uses that is evident in this passage um, is one that my synoptics teacher and I think even um, the footnotes say it's called sandwiching so like you read the beginning of um, like with 21 and that starts Mm -hmm. a different story and then this story about the woman with the hemorrhage is like sandwiched in between another story and that's something that Mark does a couple of times throughout his gospel well and just real quick um yeah with the synoptics um because I was thinking too, because I, I read this story, because the story is in all three of the Synoptic Gospels. And so mm. I kind of looked at the different stories. And I like this one um, for a couple of different reasons, but it is the longest of all the different, you know, of all the, this story and all the different Gospels, which I think is interesting because, like you said, Mark is usually known for being short and to the point. And yet with this story, he took time to kind of fill it in a little bit more than the other Gospel writers. I thought that was kind of an interesting little. That is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So let's jump into it because I really just wanted to set that up. I just wanted to mention the sandwiching technique because that's Mm -hmm. evident here. And then just a little bit about Mark. Um, so So that is interesting that he does take the time. But let's start with why did you pick this passage just in general? Well, just in general, I I don't know, like, um, I think as I've been growing up, you know, throughout my whole life, I've been a Catholic. And there's been many times along the way that people ask, you know, like, what's your favorite gospel story? Or what's your favorite Mm -hmm. scripture? And I I think for the most part, I've never really known what to say. But I just feel like, I don't know, just maybe in recent years, or I I don't know, like, this story just has continued to be something that I come back to, like, over and over in my personal prayer. Um, probably because it's, it has to do with a woman. So obviously there's some relation there, but mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. Like, I just feel like the Lord has continued to bring me back to this one. Um, and so I, I think I, I can now say this is one of my favorite gospel passages, I think. So <laughs> likewise, and that's yeah. interesting to hear you say a lot of my guests have said that are, that are Catholic and were raised Catholic. They said they had to kind of struggle with scripture in the beginning and didn't necessarily have favorite passages. Um, this is an aside, but do you find that like scripture has always been kind of a part of your faith journey or is it more later in life or what's your relationship with scripture? 
Well, it's definitely been a growing relationship, I think. You know, I think, you know, well, yeah, I grew up in a strong Catholic family. Um, and it was always this, like, the Catholic faith was kind of the the thing we had to do growing up, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there was this always this level of I kind of rebelled against some of that, you know, in my high school years and things. At least you kind of you kind of fought against it. So right. it wasn't until college where I started to really kind of embrace it. And I think since then, scriptures has always been a part. Um, at least like I, uh, one of my regular prayers, prayer times throughout my adult life, mostly it has been perpetual or going to adoration and praying. And usually when I do go to adoration, I always have my Bible. I always bring some other spiritual reading. I always bring my journal. So since, yeah, about college, um, the scriptures have played a very important role, I think, in my prayer life. So cool. That's good to know. Cause yeah, yeah I think we all have, especially as Catholics, even though scripture is everywhere, you know, in our lives, in our mass, we don't really realize it. Right. Um, so right. I just had a lot of guests say like, I didn't know I didn't have a favorite passage. And so, um, all right. So let's talk about why, why this is maybe one of your favorite passages. So we can just kind of break it down or what do you love about it? Uh, well, um, I think for me, well, there's a lot of reasons. Um, this woman, she's been suffering just for so long. Like, I think the first thing is this, this woman's been afflicted by this suffering for 12 years. Um, so I think that piece of it, um, also just the fact that the suffering was, was bleeding and that's just such a feminine thing Mm -hmm. to experience, you know? So I just think it just kind of relates to every woman. Mm -hmm. Like every woman has been in that point or just, you know, we understand what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was doing up some, I was looking up some, uh, some research as well. And, uh, I think back then, you know, so in the Jewish time, if a woman was just bleeding, like having her period or anything, you know, she was considered unclean. And, right. um, I think I was, I was diving a little bit more into this word unclean. So it's not that she was considered dirty or whatever, like that's not what it meant. It meant, um, this one, uh, thing that I read said it was the word tuma, which means that there's a loss of spiritual power because you're distant from God. So like mm. when a woman is bleeding, like she's, she doesn't have the ability to give life. And that is at the heart of what it means to be a woman. You know, a woman, women are meant to get, bring forth life. And just, I just think it's just such a beautiful thing. Like just that the fact that that is the reason why she was considered this, this tuma or unclean. Um, and that for 12 years, like she had been, like not able to bring forth life, you know, so not able to fully be the woman she was called to be, you know, or that mm-hmm. she was, you know, what, what a woman is meant to be. Um, so I just feel like my heart goes out to her. <laughs> Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, no. Now that's beautiful. I, I, I definitely connect with that too. Like when we, it says woman with a hemorrhage. Um, but I also had studied and had heard that, um, you know, it's more just kind of like referencing, what we all go through in our, in, in our womanly cycle. Right. Um, but there's so much more to this too. Like, I like how you said too, that um, sh- there's a spiritual suffering with mm-hmm. her as well. And Jesus seems to know that um, about her without having, you know, so he's in this crowd. This is something that I've always kind of connected with it. He's in this big crowd. And I think there's some humor in this because everybody's reaching for him and grabbing for him. And then he says, who touched me? And all the apostles are like, literally everybody is touching you. (laughs) So like, (laughs) how can you possibly like have felt this one person touch you? Like everyone's touching you. But I think that it's, that's that connection that he has with her, that like spiritual connection that he maybe senses that. And that encounter is what has always been something that 
stands out for me. Oh, um, yeah. so I don't know if you wanted to respond to that, that part of it. Uh, yeah. The, the encounter well, part. The encounter. Yeah. I was actually thinking, cause it's funny. Um, cause that one, I think they often do that in adoration, like as a, you know, as a, like, all you have to do is reach out and he'll be there, you know? Um, but I just think it really is beautiful. Like you said, like just the fact that he did know, he did know that mm-hmm. one person in that crowd who not just touched him, but was healed through him. And I think a piece of this too is um, like, I was reflecting like, like this cross or this suffering that she's been carrying for these 12 years. It's something that's most women consider so private, you know, like, mm-hmm. like to be bleeding, like it's not something we publicize. We keep it a private thing, you know, um, but there was, like I said, with this, because she was unclean, there is this public air, like, like she, others would have known that she was unclean for some reason, you know, mm-hmm. so this like balance between our private suffering and then what others see of us. Um, oh. And the fact that Christ, yeah, he, he comes to her in that and he heals her first of all, in a very private way. Like it's just a moment really between when she's just touching his, cl- his clothes but then he brings her forth, you know, he said, you know, who was it? Who touched me? And so it's almost like he still, he's healing that private suffering and the public suffering, both kind of at the same time and in, in both ways, I think. I don't know. That's that's a great observation. I abs- I love that. You're absolutely right. I think there is that intimate encounter, but it's done in a very public way. And mm-hmm. for you to connect that point too about like women, when they were going through their monthly cycle, there was literally a red tent and they would like put them in the right. red tent right. and it's just it was very like a public thing and women were often not just for that but for many reasons like publicly publicly shamed mm-hmm. and so I like that connection that you're making that he's healing her personally and intimately one-on-one but then also so that everybody can see it and Jesus does that throughout the gospels where he has these encounters with women in a public place like I'm thinking like the woman at the well right. and like people you know would have seen or maybe have been there um but then also he meets them so intimately in those moments too. Uh, so I think that's a really good observation for sure. Right. So I was going to say with the san- sandwiching thing too, this story is sandwiched in between a story about a girl as well. Right, right. So that's always kind of st- stood out to me too. Like I love that Mark does this technique. Um, and there's this this young girl that has um, has essentially died and he brings her back to life. And I love the like the journey. So like he starts off and... Um, he's on his way and the, 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 um, Jairus comes and says like, oh, my daughter is, is at the point of death. Please come see her. And he's like, okay, cool. Like I'll come see her. And then mm-hmm. on the way to go see her, this happens with this woman in the hemorrhage. Mm-hmm. And we have this like varying degrees of the feminine life. We have someone who's like a young girl and then also mm-hmm. this woman. And so it's like that the different stages of the woman is represented within this sandwich. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. I didn't notice yeah. that. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. What were you going to say earlier about? Um... Oh, well, I was just going to go back too because uh, another one of the reasons why I chose Mark is that he has this line that um, she had suffered greatly at the hands of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Because I feel like too sometimes, like I just get stuck in these different issues in my life, whatever the problem is, and I feel like I just keep spinning my wheels and I'm trying to fix the problem on my own. I'm trying to, you know, seek out whatever help I can, and and like I sometimes I feel like I, I spend money on these things, you know. Um, and then it's just to have this feeling that like, like, even though you're seeking and trying to figure it out, it's still, it's just out of your grasp, you know, until you come to Christ, until you come and let him into the story. Um, it just can still be out of our reach. I just, I I love that. I don't know, just that she had spent everything and it was like, this Mm -hmm. was her one goal 
and yet she still, you know, she she still didn't get healed until she came to Jesus. So, yes, and I and so thinking this because this story and is sandwiched in with these this, this other story of a girl and is very much about like I think you know the, the the life cycle and the fertility are like evident. I think about women too have struggled with infertility, and I'm I'm not I can't speak from experience, but um, yeah, that they struggle for so long, like you said, like years, and and what that hurt is. Um, but then this is about the encounter with him. Like it may or may not go the way that, you know, who knows what God's plan is, but you can always have that encounter with him that can be healing. Right. You know? Um, Well, and I think for me too, because one of my repeated or just one of the long sufferings, not suffering, I don't know. One of the things that I deal with often is just my singleness too. Like the mm -hmm. fact that I've been single for so long. Um, I'm in my late thirties. I've been single most of my adult life, you know, girl, I'm, preach. I, it's not because <laughs> I haven't tried. Right. right <laughs> I girl. mean, I, and I feel like I'm like this woman where I, I have, I've spent all that I have and not all, you know, but a lot of energy, a lot of energy. I've done it all. I've done Catholic match. I've done all the online stuff. I've been set up on blind dates. I've been, you know, I've just, I've been doing all these things. And I just feel like at times I'm just spinning my wheels and I'm just like, I'm, it's almost like I'm at, at attacking this. Like it's a problem needs to be solved. Instead of just mm. going to Jesus and letting him mm-hmm. be who he need, who I need him to be right now and trusting mm-hmm. that when the time is right, he'll bring me to who I am meant to be with, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, I don't know, like, and, and that whole thing too, like, like, I think there's just so many women, especially in our church today, who are, like you said, like, who are either suffering from the infertility thing, I know is a big thing, but also just this, this singleness. Like, I think mm-hmm. there are a lot of young women who are seeking marriage, who desire it, and just for whatever reason, have not found it yet, you know? And even more so just, I think, and cooking with the women in the church, like, just expectations that like, these, are, these are the options. I, I, I know I've struggled with that. It's okay, your options as a woman are like, A, B, and C. Good luck. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just think that that's so limiting. And, you know, I like, I love this, this story because there were these expectations of this woman. She couldn't meet them for whatever reason because of her body or whatever. Mm. And she was shamed for that. And, and then Jesus meets her very, so intimately out of the whole crowd. I just can't get over that. Like that, that image is so um, like visceral for me. And I think maybe it's because I have also not like so publicly been shamed, but you know, I struggled too with just like, what's my role? What's my role in the church? What's my role in society? Because I don't fit this like stereotypical, whatever my role is supposed to be. And, and that can be hurtful, um, personally. And so, um, I've always gone to this and loved this because there's this personal encounter with, with Jesus. And it's like, well, whatever society says, like, I'm here with you. I've met, you know, I'm meeting you. I'm with you. Right. Right. So it's really yeah. beautiful. Well, and it, was, it is interesting. And I was, um, so again, I had been doing some research on this and um, I actually went to adoration just today before coming in to record. And nice. I read, I read it again. And I was just thinking too, cause I, at first when I was reading about this Tuma and this, like, you know, this, it's a spiritual death and a, a disconnection, you know, because you, you, you aren't able to be fully the woman that you're meant to be. I was just reflecting back because like, I, I don't feel like that's been my, my story. You know, I feel like like mm-hmm. looking back on these years of singleness, like, yes, I've desired to find someone. I've desired that, you know, the gift of marriage and to follow that vocation. But I just feel like looking back, like, because I've been walking with Christ this whole time and there's just been so much life, you know, and I do think for mm-hmm. women too, for us to be able to see and to say, 
where is God bringing forth life in my life? And it might not be, you know, physical, biological children we're having, right. you know, but I just think the Lord really is calling all women to, to be people who bring forth life, you know? And for me, it's been a lot of the, the young people that I've been able to walk with and journey with. Like, I mean, I look at some of the, like, there, there are a lot of them are my friends on Facebook now because they're not teens anymore, you know? Right, <laughs> that's, that's, that's <laughs> right. we're old, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I, I'm just amazed at some of the things that they're doing and the paths that they're walking and how they're responding to Christ in their own lives now. Like, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I just... I realized like looking back, you know, just even this far in my life, like, like I wouldn't have been able to do a lot of that if I had been married with kids, with kids, you know, like yeah. I, I, I just, I, there's just been so much life and so much fruit from this time. Like I just have to, again, just rely on trust that, that God's got me where he wants me. And, you know, until, <laughs> until he presents someone to, uh, to, to, to go down the next path, I'll just keep walking, right. you know? <laughs> yeah, I think that's really well said. I think that what I've come to realize too is that, and I, I personally have never really desired to have children. Everyone who knows me <laughs> knows this about me. And I tried religious life for a while and that was not my calling either. But I, I do feel this, this need to create, which is why, you know, because then that's everybody. We're supposed to, like you said, we're meant to give life and whatever calling that is, you know, religious right. life too like they're they're not giving they're not having ch children but they are certainly giving life and in whatever their ministry is whatever their um charism is and so i've you know sought it out in art i've sought it out with teaching with creating something like this with music um and you're a musician too you know i feel like that kind of stuff gives us life and is creative and you know we're putting yeah. that out into the earth well, and I think especially um, when you're doing that for the glory of God, like then all of that right. then has the potential to bring people back to Christ, you know, Right. Um, especially for me in music. Yeah, that's that's always been a huge um, part of my life, you know, and just the fact that it really can be a real connecting piece for others to connect with the almighty, you know, and that's just a beautiful mm -hmm. thing that we're able to share that gift with others. So, yeah, I have um, this is a little bit of an aside story, but I've always kind of loved this story for all those reasons. When I was in religious life, this was a story I think that kept coming up for me because I wanted that intimacy with Christ. You know, I was discerning mm -hmm. being, giving my whole life to him. And, and then I ended up being kind of a painful experience just because it wasn't my vocation. And so I identified with her pain too. Um, mm -hmm. So that, that's always been a powerful story for me. And I went to the Holy Land last year before COVID hit with my, um, and I think you do this. Did we? Did I tell you about my trip to the Holy Land already? No, but that's awesome. No? Oh. I'm so glad yeah, you got, I think, it, got in there. <laughs> I couldn't remember if you were still in Richmond or not, but yeah, it was yeah. last year. So I guess you'd already moved. Yeah. Um, but the cathedral, the my parish went to the Holy Land. And I was like, I got to go. So um, awesome. I took time off of school, which was really nice. But the very first location we went to was Magdala, or one of the first locations we went to is Magdala. And it was really powerful, really moving for lots of reasons. But they had this whole church that's devoted to women in in scripture so they have like pillars for different women and they have these murals and downstairs in the chapel there's this mural to this story that we're talking about the woman with the hemorrhage and I <laughs> I, w I was with a bunch of old people like uh, older people my parents and like people of their age um and the whole trip they're like warning us like don't be careful because all the cobblestones are like first century stones and you're gonna you're gonna you know just be careful right. but I'm the one who like literally falls on her knees oh. in front of this chapel to this this woman with the hemorrhage um and I ended up twisting my ankle or spraining it oh, and then no. story doesn't end there so then we go upstairs I'm like hobbling up everyone saw me fall it was very humiliating and humbling 
and I'm like, okay, God, there's got to be a reason for this. Um, but then we go up to have mass and the reading for this day was, this was the gospel, which everyone assured me. And I, you know, I have my little apps and stuff. Like I knew like it uh-huh. wasn't like the church didn't just pick it like, Hey, you're in this church and there's just right. meals, so we're going to pick it. Like it right. was literally the reading for that day. And then the first reading was um, something from Hebrews that I've had a blog about forever. Like another really close passage for me. Hmm. Anyways, I felt like in that moment, I kind of had like the humility, but then also like the affirmation from God of like, <laughs> you're, it's okay, I've got you, you're supposed to be here. <laughs> you know, it was, I don't know, it was a really that powerful awesome. And that was at the beginning of your, your trip? That was at the start of the trip? It was the very first day. So it was oh like, okay, we're going to bring it down, wow. but then I'm going to bring you back up. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, it was a cool experience. Yeah. Well, okay, because um, so before I left Richmond, um, I was helping to work. Or we started the Fiat retreat for young high school women who are wanting to discern or wanting to just you know learn more about that. And uh, I was working with a couple different youth ministers on that, and they had suggested. So we had just finished the the last uh, retreat. It, was, it must have been 2017, and we were starting to think about what to do for 2018 already. And uh, they had suggested looking at all the different women in scripture that are remain unnamed. And I just mm-hmm. think that would be a beautiful, like, I think this, this is one. And even the Jairus's daughter, because she doesn't have a name. She right. just referred to as the daughter, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just it would be great to be able to, to take some time and to dive into, like, who, who are all these women? And there, there are quite a few, um, you know, that Jesus encounters along the way and just the importance of those encounters, you know, I think because I think the, the call for women, I think it really is so important. And it's I mean, it's definitely an important call for men, too. But I just think there's just something so intimate and connecting between, you know, between Christ and his daughters that it's just such a beautiful thing to see it, you know, lived out here in the Gospels. That's yeah, that's a really good point. I would love maybe we should. We should research. We should write a book or do a retreat or something. <laughs> we should we should tap into this if it hasn't already been yeah. tapped. Which they, they might um, have already done it. Yeah, I kind they of, probably <laughs> they might have already done it there in Richmond. So, <laughs> but it's I, and it just related back to like the woman's kind of plight. I mean, we haven't gotten we haven't gotten the recognition for her. You're talking about right. they're being unnamed. You know, like yes, men have an, an intimate cre- uh, relationship with Christ too, but like it's been pretty well documented. It's been pretty well, you know, like it's, right. It's, it's evident. Whereas um, women's plight, I feel like always has been just like kind of being the behind the scenes, you know, the private, um, the private suffering. Yeah. 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 Girl. Yeah. And it's all coming out tomorrow. though. <laughs> Quarantine. We're bringing it out. There it is. <laughs> I think tomorrow's the feast day of our lady of Lord, our lady of sorrows as well, which I guess it won't it be is. tomorrow when you air this. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but, um, when I think of her too, like, I think the, the reading for tomorrow is, is her at the foot of the cross. And you think about the foot of the cross, John was the only guy, you know, or maybe mm-hmm. just of Arimathea too, but you know, of the disciples, John was the only man, the rest were all women, you know, the women yep. were the ones that stood there by Jesus that would not leave him that stood at, the, even at the foot of the cross, you know, and of course, you know, Mary, the mother, I mean, to, to have to witness that, like just the. Um, again, this, this encapsulating the suffering within her heart, I think that's also a piece of what it means to be a woman, especially in the church, you know, I mean, we, we do, we, we, we carry these things in our hearts and that's where our, our suffering happens. And that to know that God sees that, you know, like he touches, like he, he knows he, he, he wants to encounter us in the, that privateness, you know, it's just such a beautiful thing. That's very well said. Yeah. To, to bring it back to this passage, like he sees her. 
mm-hmm. you know, and that's just the thing. He saw all these women at a time where they just weren't seen. They were just kind of pushed aside or right. shamed like he saw. And so I think that definitely is something that we can, um, you know, identify with and hold on to. Um, and also yeah. when you're talking about being at the cross, women were the first ones to go to the tomb and then mm-hmm. go back and spread the good news. Like we yeah. were the first really like evangelists to right. the women to go and say like, he's risen mm-hmm. um, to the disciples. So I was not, I mean, I, I was hoping this would go in like a feminist kind of direction. Yeah. But I was not <laughs> expecting it. I love it. I love this. So is there anything else you kind of wanted to say about this passage or just in general? Um, I don't think so. Although I will just make a quick plug. Have you seen The Chosen yet? <laughs> What's The Chosen? Oh, that's, oh gosh. Okay, so you have to watch The Chosen. It's this new series that's uh, it's it's a Christian based uh, t- uh, yeah series. It's all on YouTube. The first season, and it's just it shows Jesus is so real. And there's even in that moment he has a a scene with uh, Peter's uh, wife. Does it have a scene with him with Jesus healing Peter's mother in law? And they have a scene yeah. with Jesus and Peter's wife. And he says that to her. He says, I see you. And it's just so beautiful. Like, I just think that that encapsulates it. And I just, I can't wait for them to do this, this passage. Um, it's really, really awesome. So yeah, if you haven't seen The Chosen yet, definitely get on that bandwagon. <laughs> I think maybe someone has mentioned that to me now, but it, are they going through the gospels? That's what they're, they're doing? Well they're, trying, well, they're trying to fund it season by season. So they've only got enough for the first season so far. They're trying to fund the second season. And I think I heard they have up to eight planned. So like to have eight full seasons to really dive into like, what was it really like to live with Jesus? And it's just, you know, it's fiction, you know, or not, it's historical fiction, you know, based on scripture. But I think they do a great job of staying. I mean, like I was, I was watching it and I'm like saying the words along with it. I'm like, oh, I know this, this scene, this is what happens, you know? Good. That's (laughs) awesome. I will have to check it out. Um, Is there anything you wanted to plug like personally, like people find you on social media or any events you want to plug? Well, I mean, if you want to follow us on, yeah, so the <laughs> Office for, for Young Adult and Campus Ministry, we're on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, it's archgh.yacm um, on most of those uh, sites and platforms. Uh, I have been doing quite a bit with trying to, um, you know, just be active on social media. And I sometimes, it's, it's a lot of, you know, advertising some of our local events. Detroit's now are all online, so if anyone out east wants to join us for some online talks and stuff, we've got a lot going on. Uh, but I also do try to, um, yeah, to, to share some scripture, to also have some, like, just more reflective type posts. Um, uh, I think last week it was the, um, do you not know you're a runner and so run to us so as to win from Corinthians, mm-hmm. you know. So just trying to take the scripture of the day and make it alive to people. So, so yeah, so go ahead and follow us if you'd like to, and that'd be great, yeah. That's awesome. That's the way if you're doing young adults, you got to inter- get on the, be on the gram. Got to yep, get through that's for right. the gram. That's right. Yeah. I gotta be, gotta be where they are, <laughs> which I, apparently now it's not even just the images. They want videos. I'm like, I can't, I don't know if I can do this. You got to get that long story. Yeah. The TV, Instagram yeah. TV, got to get it. Um, yep. Well, first thing of Instagram, if you guys want to follow me and um, talk to me about scripture, talk to me about this podcast, maybe you want to be a guest on this podcast, you can find me at Seven Mile Chats on Instagram, or you can talk to me on Twitter at Miss Struckley, M-S-S-T-R-U-K-E-L-Y-1. Thank you so much, Angie. This was a great conversation, a much needed conversation. And I know we could talk forever about this passage, but thank you for choosing it. Yes. Thank you for having me and great job with this podcast. It's really been thank a you. pleasure to listen to it. It's just been a, a real blessing. So I think the thank Lord's definitely you. got in the way.
Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye.